want to think of the kings as far away and over there. What we want to do is apply it personally. So how can we apply this? Well, we say other things that attract our affections away from God. So in the case of the kings, it's other wives. And then the other wives are going to influence with their other gods. And suddenly the my affections have been led away from the God who I know, trust, and love. I've just been led away. And so personally, a personal application, what else is leading my affections away from the proper worship of God as central and preeminent in my life? Hi there, and thanks for joining us on Study with Friends. For the last several weeks, we've been studying most of the Old Testament, focusing on land, descendants, and special relationship. Our current series has us looking at these themes through the former prophets, beginning in 1 Samuel. If you've missed any part of this series or would like to listen to the previous series, head to our website, studywithfriends.org, and search Old Testament. While you're there, you can also get the homework to help you follow along. Let's begin today's study. What other questions do you have, or did you um, enjoy any other of the Psalms that I referenced um, where we talked about David's reflection? I mean, really, David spends the rest of his life reflecting on this promise. How could you not? How could you not? That God is saying, I have set you apart in such a special way. And, uh, you know, he rightly reflects on that for the rest of his life. So it's and it, it's a whole new way to read the Psalms too, right? That of, of receiving this promise from God, especially the Davidic Psalms. Okay, tell me your reflections on that before we move to Kings. Nothing? We unpacked it enough? You feel good about it? Anything that's still bothering you? Just um, noted that David wanted to build God a house of cedar, but instead God builds David's house. God's like, and he's still, even though God, please, I don't need you to build me a house. <laughs> right. And even I'm going to build you a house. He had that promise. Even at the end of that passage, he, he still prays for God's blessing and bless his house and to continue forever. It's like, he knows it, but he's still praying it. It's kind of interesting. Sometimes our prayers are, um, keep, please keep your promise, which really doesn't mean keep your promise because we know he's going to keep his promise. What, what, what I think we mean when we pray that is help me have faith that you will keep your promise. Right. Yeah. For me anyway, yeah. as a human, sure. I would probably, probably apply that to David. Yeah, I mean, remind my human heart that so easily wanders, mm-hmm. you know, and David had so many financial family and land descendants, you know, like blessings over and over and over again. And that's hard to remain recognizing that's all from God because he's the king. Really, there's no one above him. And the only one that's above him is God. And so the fact that he can consistently remind himself and rejoice in the Lord is just such a great reminder for someone like me who doesn't have all that he has, you know, I, and I have, but I have, tons and to recognize that every blessing is from God and that he gives just so willingly and you know you know it's just it's just a beautiful reminder just his joy in the Lord and his reminders to himself to keep himself grounded and the elephant in the room David's big sins Mm -hmm. 
so for me, those are actually more more comforting than disruptive to me. Like I, I think about, I, I hate I hate to think about what happened between David David and Bathsheba. I hate that. Um, but I'm comforted that God says I can use the imperfect, any imperfect human, for my good purposes. Uh, the other one, my fa- one of my very favorite ca- uh, characters from the Bible, people from the Bible. I hate to say characters because it makes it sound like they're fictional. Is Rahab, and I think about the way that he used her. She was a prostitute, and he elevated her. And you know, she's. Do you, you guys all know she's in the line of Jesus? And I think to myself, if he can do that with her, maybe he can do something good with me too, and maybe he can redeem my life too, and all the mistakes that I make. And it's this is the beautiful interplay of of our faithlessness and God's faithfulness. And I I know I'm bringing it back to the covenants again and again. That's kind of the point. There's this element of conditional and unconditional in each of these covenants. Yeah, I'm going to give you the land. I'm going to give you the victories. As long as you keep me utmost in your hearts and minds and behavior. And then if you don't do that, uh, there are going to be some consequences. That's the conditional. Uh, but then there's this unconditional. I will always remain faithful to you. I will never abandon you. I will be your God. I will bring you through it. Our friend Caroline, who was on a previous recording, said, it's like with your kids or your friends, you love them unconditionally. And when they screw up, you just help them clean it up and move on. And that was just a so such a real way of remind. That's what God does. He's like, all right, let's clean this up. Let's figure out there may be consequences in your life as a result of this stupid thing you did. I love you, but you're going to have to live with that. But we can get through this. We can get past this. You, There is a, a tomorrow after this. And I just love that. That, for me, makes it so personal to me. It makes me feel like, okay, there's nothing I'm going to do that's so bad that I break the whole thing between me and God. And I need that. I need that because I'm breaking stuff all the time. I mean, Paul was killing his people, going after his people, and he was like, just kidding, I'm going to use you to write most of the New Testament. Yes, Yes, that's a great one. go evangelize most of the rest of Western Asia. Yes, yeah, another great example of using, you know, and Peter's a great example too, of his doubt and his betrayal of the Lord, and then how he came back just a lion, Mm -hmm. strengthened by God, and the resurrection, um, yeah, so much to so much to lean on and be thankful for in the Word of God. That reminds me that my imperfection is not going to take down my whole ship. Okay, that's great. Okay, so let's do let's get into Kings, and then I want to uh, work with some New Testament stuff. So actually, we're going to go through Kings relatively quickly. Uh, because we've done a lot of work already about the kings. So we talked and talked and talked and talked about the monarchy and how they're, we, we, because we've reflected the text, we've done a lot of foreshadowing. Now we see this is where the rubber hits the road. Uh, so let's just quickly lift out our threefold themes. Land, of course, is a prevalent theme in kings because the nation is still enjoying the promised land. But we continue to see the weaving together of our other two elements, uh, descendants and a special relationship with God. So uh, descendants, certainly the monarchy descends through a line. So let's not 
blow that off. That's not something we maybe always think about, but the monarchy does descend through a line. Even when Israel breaks into a divided kingdom of north and south, there's still a monarchy that descends through a line. So descendants. And then, of course, I mentioned this a moment ago, that that the real emphasis becomes the special relationship with God, the centrality of his worship, or the loss of centrality in worship, the high places, um, and what the kings did with that. And in fact, what we see in the, in the book of Kings, honestly, is the measuring stick. Can you tell me what the measuring stick is of each king? Uh, each king that's named also has one thing that's named with them. What is that? Whether or not they like, well, not overthrew, but like overturned the worship of whatever current yes. gods of yes. the place they were conquering. Perfect. And then, and the expression that's used there is, did he or did he not tear down the high places? So from a historical point of view, the high place is quite literal. Uh, and what it means is that in every community, they would have chosen the highest geographical point in that community for the uh, place where they uh, worshipped, whatever they were choosing to worship. And so in this case, in the book of Kings, we talk about, did he tear down the high places? What they're saying is, did this king pull down the altars that were up uh, erected to worship other gods? Does that make sense? Very practical. So when we read about high places, that's what we're talking about. I asked you in the homework, and Bella, you did something very cool, but I asked you in the homework to scan <laughs> Nicole was saying before like, she's like am I gonna say this whole thing you have to read I printer. said scan <laughs> the book of kings and just estimate how many times the words high places uh, are referenced but don't tell me what you did Bella oh I cheated I went <laughs> <laughs> I went on to blue letter bible which I love so much I love that site so much it's such a good resource resource especially if you like all the translation stuff and they have a a specific phrase search and so what I did was I typed in H-I-G-H-P-L-A-C-E-S <laughs> and was like where is this and it showed me wherever you saw the whole phrase in the whole bible but it goes like in order and so I just scrolled down to where Kings was and I counted I also can't do math so I might have counted wrong but I counted I was really hoping oh, I was so hoping that it would get to exactly 40 but it said 35 times uh, so because 40 is all over the Old Testament right so and the New Testament but it was like 35 times which is kind of a lot which is a way books. more exact I'm so glad that you did that. I have no idea how many times. I don't have like the secret answer. I was just like, just scan it. It was kind of just stay up. But I love, I love that you were like, wait a minute. I want to know the exact number. <laughs> okay. And so in the homework, I did also put in um, a short but not exhaustive list of the places that when I scanned it, I found the words high places. And so I want you to tell me again why it's so important that the high places, you, you put this in your own words for me. And oh, for the listeners. I can't believe I n literally didn't think of this. I think all my friends are like super sick of me saying this because I have like Isabellisms where I just <laughs> say the same things about like the faith a zillion times. And one of those <laughs> is that my Kips Fellowship leader taught me once when teaching me how to like lead Bible studies um, that usually when the scripture repeats itself, it means something. <laughs> and so I'm like, wow, I just didn't even notice that it repeated yes, itself. Yes, girl. Yes. 100% so right on like, the principle. There's like, a reason. God knows we're a little thick. 
Like, so he says it again and again and again. If he really wants us to get it, great principle. Thank you for lifting it. Yeah, Jesus is usually saying a bunch of things a hundred times. And so when I'm kind of like, oh, wow, he took two books to say the same exact thing 35 35 times that it probably (laughs) why is that so yeah so it's like that alone points out the significance but I'm also thinking like in a more focused manner if like he repeats it with each and every king and and, like he makes a big deal he repeats the fact that it's a big deal every single time and that's like you said the phrase measuring stick then it's like well that's probably maybe maybe the most important thing yes of each king's rule. Right. <laughs> so right. whether or not he did this thing that God, it's not like God commanded him or anything. He he did. He asked them specifically not to do this and to do that as we went through. And so, of course, he's going to gauge whether or not they did that. And if he's repeating it with each and every king, then it points out the significance, um, but also makes it like very, very easy to understand that yeah. like whether or not he does or, or doesn't knock down these high places, then that's whether or not you know he's following god rightly i guess or of the right mind yeah that's good i i you're right um and it just shows the t- um the tone of his leadership was he fully committed to god or was he not if he was fully committed to god and if you remember Gideon had to do the same thing when Gideon was called he had to go in and break the altars of his father which was worship, his house was worshiping other gods. And so it's a repetitive theme beyond even the book of Kings. So thanks for, for reminding us of that. Another couple cheat, I did some cheat sheet, because listen, Kings is a lot. And so I did a little bit of a cheat sheet if you really want to go into the homework. First of all, um, there were no northern kings that were good. So here's the problem. Is the book of Kings bounces back and forth. It's hard to track. Um, I do have, I gave you guys, mm-hmm. did I give you all one of these? I think I've given you one of these in Bible study, Nicole. Promo yeah. time. So you have this? So it's, I don't, I don't get any money from this. Of course. <laughs> I just love these. This is a Bible. Here, I'm going to give it to you. Okay. This is a Bible timeline and it helps me because it's actually like a chart of when the Kings lived and whether they were Northern or Southern kingdom. But what I did in the homework is I basically did like a cheat sheet. No northern kingdom kings were good. That helps a lot. And only eight of the southern monarchs were good. And then Manasseh came in and screwed it up. So that helps you have a a big picture. Uh, But also um, maybe helpful for you to understand that the reason that they're bouncing back and forth in the book of Kings is because they're trying to give you this was the king in the north and this was the king in the south at the same time. And then this was the king in the north. But they don't run exactly at the same time. So one king in the north is there for eight years while his his counterpart in the south stays for 30 years which is why it becomes very confusing but that's what they're trying to do is they're kind of bouncing back and forth between the north and the south trying to get and if you want more go into first and second chronicles which is kind of a reiteration of uh first and second kings which gives you a little bit more flesh on the bones which we're not dealing with here uh but uh so that's just a little bit of help in the book of kings because it's kind of hard to read Right. Uh, it also means like when we looked back before, it said the king was supposed to write out the law and have it approved by the priest. And then every day he's supposed to be reading it. So how much is how much has, has he really followed that part where he wrote it down? It's kind of like, you know, I will not cheat in school. That's you know, right, right, right. You know, right, like when you have to write the thing over right. and over and over. And I'm thinking yeah. if he's writing this out every, you know, and getting it approved and then he's reading it every day. Mm-hmm. 
it should be pretty obvious. Tear down the high places. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I mean, how many of them are really doing that first part where they wrote out the book of the law? I'm not going to lie. Thinking of me writing stuff a hundred times as a kid right. would have pushed me away. <laughs> right. I hated that when I was a kid. Yeah. I but remember it, though. you were a kid. These right. are kings, yeah. adults who have this great responsibility. Yeah. Yeah, and the point is, is that God knows our nature. He knows we need to have the repetition and have the reminder. Right. And so that's a great call out. Um, in the next section, which I'm not going to dive into too deeply, I go through, again, a bunch of passages in Deuteronomy and see how they exert themselves on the book of Kings. So would you just give me um, a few notes that you have out of these texts? So the texts in the homework that we are noting exert themselves particularly into the book of Kings is Deuteronomy chapter 12, Deuteronomy 17, 14 to 20, which we just read, which is the do's and don'ts for a king, Deuteronomy 18, 9 to 22, and Deuteronomy 28. The entire book of Deuteronomy exerts itself, but I just happen to call these out. Do you want to give me any reflections on any of those four passages? Well, I have in Deuteronomy 12, one of the ones I've highlighted, I've underlined a lot, but one of the ones I've highlighted is be careful, uh, verse 13, sorry, 12, 13, be careful that you do not offer your burnt offerings in any cultic, cultic place that you say, but only in the places which the Lord chooses in one of your tribes. And that's not what they do. No, they turn to other gods. Can I define cultic, please? Mm-hmm. Because cultic. Yeah, now, this is from the NASB. Yeah, so but that's there might okay. Be Actually, words. cultic is a perfect word. Okay. Cultic is a word that we use uh, in a scholarly setting to describe um, a lot of things in the Old Testament, but it has an, it has a um, connotation now when we hear the word cult. Mm-hmm. It has a weird connotation, and what we just mean about when we say cultic is of worship. Uh, so don't read into it anything that we've applied in our modern day. It just means uh, the nature of worship, the uh, the rituals and the things, the places that we that we worship, the ways that we worship, and that's what we're, it's a sort of an encompassing word, the cultic word. I just wanted to make sure that I clarified that because I'm glad you raised that. It's a good word. Um, so uh, give me your point again. Sorry, I derailed uh, was that, that they in, in, in the time of kings, they did do these things. They did fall away, and they did do these things. They offered up to other gods. Yes, and, yes. You know, um, oh, Jezebel is yes. probably a perfect yes. example of someone who... Oh, there's a lot of examples. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> really she's, she's kind of an obvious... Like, well, and this is... It's interesting because you're actually hitting another note, which is taking wives, foreign wives, yeah. and multiple wives, mm-hmm. and how um, honestly... Uh, we we don't want to we don't want to think of the kings as far away and over there. What we want to do is apply it personally. So how can we apply this? Well, we say other things that attract our affections away from God. So in the case of the kings, it's other wives, and then the other wives are going to uh, you know influence with their other gods, and suddenly the my affections have been led away from the God who I know, trust, and love. I've just been led away. And so personally, a personal application, what else is leading my affections away from the proper worship of God as central and preeminent in my life? Is that helpful in a yeah. more personal way? Because again, it's so tempting to think of this these kings as a faraway thing and it just feels very distant. And so we have to make it a real intentional practice to bring it back into a personal application. Okay, so that's a great one. Any other ones out of the Deuteronomy section? You have a lot of stuff written down, Nicole. Oh. Bless us with your wisdom. 
I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I, I was struck, but there, there were very specific things uh, that jumped out at me, but um, all came out. You should dispossess and destroy all. Be careful to obey all these words. Um, that kind of, and then later your barns will be blessed and all you undertake. Mm. Um, there was a lot of all, or um, if you obey, being careful to do all his commandments, the Lord will set you high above all the other nations. Um, but then I was also thinking about how um, <laughs> I thought it was very specific that he says um, to tear down the altars, dash into pieces the pillars, burn the ashram with fire, chop the carved images and destroy their name. Like that's very specific. It is. And um, what, okay, before you run away from the all, you did two good points. So I want you to flush okay, them both okay. out. What does the all, why does that, why does that, um, how do you receive the lifting up of that? Well, I just feel like sometimes I, I partially follow the Lord. Mm -hmm. I, I, I can feel how this applies today. You know, I think I'm doing pretty good, <laughs> you know, but is he my all? I don't know. I mean, there are other things that distract me that I, I don't know. I can honestly, truly say, do I give them all the places? Have I cleared all the other things? Um, did I chop the carved images? I don't, you know, that's, mm -hmm. it's convicting. Mm -hmm. um, um, might it also be supportive as we walk forward in our journey? Because when I think about the all, I just know that in my humanity, I'm not going to get it all right. I know that. Like, I know Christ came and what he did on the cross is because I can't do it all. Right. But by the word all ringing in my head, it keeps me accountable to continually checking, to scanning my life and saying, is there anything out of place? Again, in Psalm 139, it says, search me and know me and find anything in me that is not pleasing to you. And that's a reiteration of what, what you're saying. I'm always so thankful for how timeless and timely God's Word is. Thanks again for joining us on this multi-series journey studying God's covenantal promises throughout the Old Testament. We are a weekly Bible study, just like you'll find at your local church. If you aren't in a study like this one, we encourage you to join one. Make sure that the church is teaching from the Bible in every situation. In Matthew 10, Jesus sent out his disciples to preach the gospel, instructing them, freely you have received, freely give. We take that command serious here at Study With Friends. So we have created tons of resources on our website that are all free for you to use. They're at studywithfriends.org. Much like the disciples who relied on the generosity of a host, we are 100% donor supported. If you have been particularly blessed by our ministry, would you consider making a donation? Monthly partners are especially helpful to us and no amount is too small. If you are willing to give it, we would be grateful and blessed to have it. You can donate on our website one time or become a monthly partner. That's at studywithfriends.org forward slash donate. We would love to connect with you and hear how your walk is going. We also love to get prayer requests from you. You can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Or if you prefer, you can email us at info at Remember, you can stream us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. Plus, you can now see our studies on YouTube. No matter which way you choose, we hope that you will connect with us. 
For now, we hope you'll join us next time when we study with friends. Mm -hmm.